Welcome into another Red Out Podcast. We're a day early. A lot of life events happening for me, so i got to come in a little bit early here because uh, I wanted to talk about the Conference USA game uh, we played last week. Uh, we're going to obviously talking football. We're talking guys leaving, guys coming back. We're going to be talking on basketball and other news. Uh, so hang in, hang in. Hey, how about them cops, son? Oh, okay, SEC boys. You're listening to the Red Out Podcast. Sorry about that, it was a little loud on you guys. I forgot I turned my volume down when the little one was upstairs with me. Sadly, we have no fate. Hey, Ross, how are you, buddy? Good, Devin. How's it going, man? Long time. I know, right? Life happens sometimes, right? It does happen. I think the last time I got on here was when uh, the last time we lost a championship game this year. So I know, right? So is are you just the bearer of bad news? Is that what we got? Uh, either the bearer of bad news or just somebody who wants to vent. And uh, I guess it just worked out this week. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so like I said in the intro, I got, had a lot of life events happen. Um, basically since I work at a family business, my mother-in-law, uh, asked if I would switch days because she had an appointment and I agreed to help her out. So you're welcome. (laughs) How's everything going, man? It's been a while. It has. How's life? Yeah, it's life. Well, uh, speaking of, I guess we normally do winners and losers. So I guess I'll start off as a loser this week. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so I, I blame the tops. It's just bad karma. But uh, so Saturday, uh, the wife had to go into work. We had a family coming in. And so I was on baby duty, uh, literally uh, watching the kid. So I was like, well, I'm going to take a shower real quick. You know, let her watch her iPad, my iPad, her new iPad. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just see how it goes. And so I'm getting out of the shower brushing my teeth, shaving, combing my hair. I'm like, all right, I got to, you know, half of my face to shave and I catch a whiff. And I'm like, something smells like baby do. And I'm like, she's probably gone to the bathroom. I'm like, I literally have half of my face to shave. As soon as I'm done, I will take care of it. Before I can finish shaving that half of my face, Somebody decides to start using her diaper as a palette, and she is finger painting. Oh, no. The iPad, yes. And, of course, I see it, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Before I can grab her paintbrush finger, she has made a baseball anti-glare mark under her eye. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm thinking, what am I going to do to get all this off this kid? She's two right now, or how old is she right now? She's she's almost two. She'll be two in January. Yeah, you're in in that border range where you can't can't really tell her. Yeah, dear Lord. Yeah, so, so literally, I just grab her by both wrists and stick her hands under the sink and start washing. Yeah. And then, then I mean, obviously, I had to change the diaper and all that stuff, too. But it was just like, oh, my gosh. Are you serious right now? <laughs> well, then, the karma continues. I go out and into the kitchen from the bedroom with the kid. And the dogs had gotten into the trash. Oh, I have man. two. I've got two older dogs. They are 12, 13-ish, 14. I don't remember. They're old. But... They are old enough that they shouldn't be getting into stuff. And they got now, into the took advantage while you were distracted. Exactly. They they yeah, they they knew what they were doing. And so yeah, I had back to back karma and I completely blamed that game. But I will say I did watch it to the end, as as bad as it looked at the beginning. Um so speaking of, do you have any winners or losers before we start talking football? Um, let's can you still hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, 
I would say the, you know, with the college football playoff, I would say, uh, you know, the G5, man, Cincinnati breaking through and, you know, finally getting some new blood in the playoff. I know you, we still have Alabama and George's been there once, but, you know, not having the same old Clemson, Ohio State, a lot of the same teams in, like getting Cincinnati in, getting one of the little guys in, even though they're going to be moving to the Big 12. It's, it's just cool to see some new blood in the playoff on a national level and, you know, have something different to watch when it comes to uh, the Final Four this year. So, so I don't know if you've been listening to us or not, but Jared and I and the rest of the guys, Matt and Alex, agree. Are you tired of Alabama as much as the rest of us? Yeah, like definitely. The and I've got, I mean, I've got one of my best friends who's a big Bama fan. And um, now is he now is he a Bama fan or is he a bandwagon Bama fan? No, I mean, he – I mean, he went – I mean, I re- remember when we first were friends, they lost Louisiana Monroe, and he was a Bama fan. I think he has been all of his life. But, I mean, even if you were raised an Alabama fan during the, you know, 90s when it was light, they still won a title that decade. And Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm not saying they're not good. No, but like, I mean, no, he, he's, he's the kind Alabama. of guy who cares more about losing, like, the pick six. He – yeah. He cares. He feels worse about that than how many damn national titles they've won. It's <laughs> they're just he's insane. But uh, you know, yeah, I am sick of them. I mean, I thought this was the year they would. You know, I thought this was the inevitable rebuilding year, and then Saban once again shows why he's you know probably the best coach of all time. You know, he just he just put on a clinic with you know switching up offensive linemen, Bryce Young just. You know, tearing apart the formerly unstoppable Georgia defense, and uh, you know, I still think they could lose in the playoff. But I mean, I definitely a, think they could too. I mean, I think this is probably the most wide open one we've had in a few years too. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm sick of Alabama. I would, you know, I guess we until Saban retires, we really can't expect them to go more than a year or two at tops without being in and. As good as that team was last year, the fact that they can come back and just replug, it's like, oh, they t- their starter receiver tears a knee. Oh, no, they got poor little Alabama has to replace them with another five-star. What will they do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and that's the thing, too, is Alabama, to, at this point, they're a legacy. I mean, they've – they they can easily walk into a place and you know get kids to come in and yada yada yada. No, they they got the pick of the litter. Like yes, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely agree. Um, but yeah, I'm my favorite quote is Lane Kiffin talking about Saban. If a game is decided by a coin flip, he's going to have an hour and a half meeting about it, and he's going to know everything about it. And I mean, he he's good. I mean, as bad as I am, it's. It's like uh, it was like last year when everybody was kind of overwhelmed with COVID. It's almost to that point for me with Alabama. It's just like I don't even care. <laughs> but uh, I digress. We're going to talk um, first off. Friday night we played UTSA in the Alamo Dome. A beautiful eighty degrees in the Alamo Dome. Supposedly, I was uh, there. You were there. Okay. Yeah. Um, was it wild? It was a uh, it was a really good atmosphere. I was I was pretty impressed by um, you know I liked San Antonio. That was the second time I've been there, but the first time I'd really experienced San Antonio. And uh, yeah, the the atmosphere was good. The Alamo Dome was cool. Um, I mean UTSA for only having a real ten year old program has has a good following, which I know we said in the in our little group chats. A lot easier to get bandwagon and grow a following when you have two point you know, 5 million people to draw from as opposed to, you know, Western's fan base or, you know, fan potential. But, um, you know, I was impressed. It's, you know, it's kind of sad that, you know, Conference USA is disintegrating right when, you know, we're getting some programs, you know, on track and, um, you know, we're stuck with the scraps because it'd be fun to play them for the next few years. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, the population census in 2020 for Warren County, which is where Bowling Green is, was 134,554. <laughs> and I'm going to say they're all blue. But anyway, uh, yeah, a wild thing for me, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but they told it during the, the telecast that UTSA, um, with the Conference USA rules, 
the conference championship game, the students are not allowed to get in for free. So I did not know that. Yeah. So the San Antonio businesses actually did a fundraiser and raised enough money to allow any of the students that wanted to come to the game to come. And they did a good job because that place was loud. Um, you know, I brought my kids to the game, my four and two year old, and you could tell there was a couple times where they were a little razzled by the sound. So, um, yeah, I mean, and you tell Western in general, you know, whether it be the center or just some of the timing issues with our offense, like there were just times where the sound there and, you know, it was 41,000 of a 65,000 seat, but that whole lower bowl was packed and it was, it was just as loud as, uh, you know, Michigan State that I went to earlier this year, if not more, just because of that, the acoustics in there. Yeah, 41,148. They said it was full, which, that's, I mean. That's not full, but, I mean, it's it was their third largest crowd of all time. I think the only times they had beaten it that I read was the um, their opening game 10 years ago where they sold out the whole thing, which is 68,000 or something like that. Wow. And, and no, then – and See, then I'm just going played, off ESPN, so. Yeah. Well, and then when they played Baylor, I think a few years ago, they had like a thousand more people. So there is now this is ESPN's little thing here at the bottom yeah. of their, their uh, game cash report, whatever. Attendance, a capacity, it says, is 36,582. Capacity yeah, or attendance for the game. <laughs> yeah. A, a capa- attendance for the game was 41,148, and it says they were at 100%. Which, by the way, if this picture is from the game, there is like a bunch up in the rafters that are empty. Well, but, so the end zones, they put the um, the top end zones, they put like the curtain on, yeah. kind of block it off, and then, yeah, like behind the, you know, on the sidelines. The sideline on TV had upper deck seats, but the other, the opposite side where we were at uh, – did not have people in the seats. So, like I said, the attendance, I think, is 64 capacity, according to Wikipedia. I mean, it was a damn good crowd. I mean, like I said, this, the university's only had football for 10 years. They've got a mix. Uh, you know, the the Austin is about an hour and a half away, so and A&M's probably a couple hours away, too. So they've got their good mix of those, you know, those P5 fans, that SEC fans that follow them. But I think, you know, as a alternative, kind of like UAB is in Birmingham or whatever, UTSA is like the, the, the good for like transplants, military people, and then just locals who don't have that, that team to, to follow. And it's just a big market when all you really have is the Spurs besides that. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, completely agree. Now, I will say that was a rough game to watch. To be forced into in the first half to only get one touchdown and two field goals, which by the way, if we had if just hypothetically speaking here, we get a touchdown, they got two touchdowns in the first and two touchdowns in the second. If we had gotten touchdowns on both of those, we'd been within seven points. Um it was just so many mistakes. And you know, the the funny thing is, I'm sure you guys have been talking about it all year. What was our biggest bugaboo all season? We started off slow. You know, we dug holes. This game, we didn't dig a hole, like at least early. I mean, we scored a touchdown on the opening drive. Um, You know, they came back and scored on us. But then we, you know, we should have, you know, I think it was a quarterly who dropped the touchdown pass, and then we kicked that field goal. So it was 10-7, and it looked like we were just going to keep trading scores. But then – you know, then we stalled out. Uh, I'm going you know, to pull up the drive chart, so I'm not misremembering exactly. No, but you're, you're. I mean, you're right so far. I think Corley was the drop, but um, uh, I mean, that's that's when, like, I think that got us a little shook. And yeah. then, and then, you know, UT our defense reverted back to that early season form where you know Harris is the kind of mix of elusive quarterback who can do some stuff with his legs, make you miss. He's and, he's a really good quarterback. I mean, yeah, Harris is, Harris is good. We missed. Was, we missed. Really, we missed Will Ignant. Uh, you know, the Tennessee transfer to linebacker who's kind of coming on. Yeah, I think he hurt us on with without contain and stopping McCormick, their running back, and that kind of opened up everything with them. And then we kind of didn't play. You know, if you think about when during that seven game winning streak, our defense played well by 
getting to the passer and forcing turnovers. We only had one sack on the day and no turnovers and still lost only by eight. Just uh, – Honestly, like up until like when we got the ball with a minute, what, 30 something to go, I thought, you know, this is a possibility. We could be going into overtime. I mean, it was a stretch. Don't get me wrong. I knew it wasn't very, it wasn't a good chance, but it was a possibility that we could go and be going into overtime with this. Um, But, you know, I mean, I, I commend the guys. It was a really good push. Um, for that, you know, thir- for the second half to come out and be down forty-two to thirteen, and That's then pull tough. it, and then pull yeah. it within, you know, pull it within eight. Those, Honestly, those turnovers it, were just such ki- just killers, man. That just yeah. if you get rid of one, let alone both, we win the game walking away. It's, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe UTSA got comfortable, and that's what. That's what got us back in the game. But you look at it like Stearns, he's been an All-American receiver this year. You know, he, he hasn't really done a whole lot on punt returns, but, you know, I don't. I think that was the first muff punt in the season. Uh, yes. The worst possible – you know, the defense gets back-to-back stops finally. They get one before the end of the half, you know, and then, you know, obviously we kicked that long field goal that we missed. But uh, and then and then, you know, we get another stop out of the locker room just to muff that, and when they're inside the 10 and they score easy, then Zappy comes back and he presses, throws a pick. So that's that's two easy scores we give them right after that. And it's just like that's that hole seemed insurmountable, and somehow we still almost came back. Yeah. Just I mean, we had, we had every opportunity. And the funny thing for me is, is just hypothetical, like I was talking earlier, if we had scored those two touchdowns instead of field goals, we would have went into overtime. Oh, okay. Easy. So we scored three in the first. They only scored three touchdowns in the second, second half. They scored four TDs in the first. We scored four TDs in the second half. We would have been in overtime, and that would have been wild. But it's like you said. I mean, honestly, like – in total yards, Western was at 568, and UTSA was 556. The oh, difference I mean, is – I saw a lot of people posting the, the fact here's, – here's the, the other thing. i got to give UTSA a lot of credit. Had yeah. you seen Zappi been pressured like that all season long? I, you know, whether it be – he, I think he took three or four sacks. Um, I think that uh, – I think that you know, obviously the the I'm not counting the hail mary interception at the end, but that yeah. interception you know that put us in the giant hole, and there was just a couple times where you know we put ourselves behind the eight ball, and it was because UTSA finally got to our quarterback and hadn't seen that all season wrong. There was a, there was some drops, you know. I mean, how frustrating in the first half was the fact that when we got to the one yard line, and then uh, you know was it. Was it a bad snap or whatever happened? And then we get back, yeah. and that's when we had to settle for the field goal. It's like first and one at the one-yard line. It's inexcusable not to get a touchdown in a situation like that. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there was just so that many. That happened twice, didn't it? Am I right? That the, we had two. Well, the sec- the second snap. time they scored anyway. But yeah, but they still. scored a touchdown anyway. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just frustrating, man. It's just. I think um, I know you don't really talk a lot of S and P plus on here, the the advanced computer metrics, but uh, Bill Connolly does a post game win expectancy based on your stats and how uh, you know how efficient you are with your plays. They said at the end of the game, uh, UTSA only was expected. You know, this is based on the average. Uh, you know, average likely would have you would compare to the the mean. They would only win that game thirty six percent of the time. So it's just like. Wow. Yeah, Western just had bad luck, you know, just some some terrible, you know, timing on some mistakes. And, you know, so they're just like – I think of that game was played – I think both games against them, if they were played 10 times – you know, let's say out of 10 times we play them, we probably – I still think we probably win six out of 10, but they got us two out of those – two of those 10 the two times we played them. It just yeah. – 
crazy luck, man. Uh, and and I, I attribute that to Harris because he's a good player, and uh, sincere McCormick, he's a good he's a good running back too. There, I mean, I've got to tip my hat to them. Um, and I mean, even UTSA's defense are they limit? They made us a one dimensional offense. We threw for five hundred and seventy seven yards. Well, but we I, had I, minus I, I, nine I, rushing. Yeah, I mean, I think the negative nine was because of sacks. But um, well, th- I'm sure that doesn't help when. Well, no, and when you you're have, da- when you're down forty two to, was it forty two to thirteen? Is that where we're yeah, down? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't run the ball. You've got to. You know, that's how you get back in the game. So. Well, I mean, it, it, you. Yes, yes, and no. I mean, I still think you got to run it a little bit, but Whittington had 15 yards on four carries. Yeah. So that tells me that their front three or four, or how many ever they were rushing, was you know doing what they should do. And of course, you know, like you said, um, Bailey Zap had those two over the head snaps, a couple sacks or whatever, and that's going to screw up your numbers too. Oh like, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see if I can find him in rushing. Uh, yeah, he actually had positive yards somehow. Well, I don't think, I don't think sack yardage technically count. It counts against your negative total, but it doesn't count as an individual. If that makes any sense. Okay. Okay. Well, the the team quote team rushing right. was minus thirty five, which threw us into the negative. So yeah, um, that's that's stuff we hadn't really seen all season. If you yeah. want, just for reference, the first time we played them in in the in the Houch, we rushed twenty nine yards for one hundred. 147 yeah. yards. So that was a big difference. And that's yeah, that yeah, yeah. you attribute that directly to playing from behind. And, um, you know, that's kind of, you know, I got some crap a little bit on, you know, like when we lost the first time, you know, we started one and four. And I was like, I think we, we had a good season, but our chances special season was kind of, kind of ruined because, you know, even if we would have won a 10 and, or a nine and three season is an eleven, and you know what UTSA did—they just had a special season, twelve and one. Yeah, and, which, by the which, way, so glad it was—it's got that little blemish. I, I'm so happy for the blemish. Well, you know, here's for another time. underrated at. Well, a we lost home field advantage in that game, which yes. the, that's that's something that you can't forget. I mean, if if we if Zappy gets it in, if that phantom clipping call doesn't happen, or if Zappy finds a way to get us in the end zone, we're playing that game, you know, in the house, probably in front of 12,000 people where the sound doesn't matter. But uh, I honestly <laughs> yeah. do think that North Texas's loss to, or, you know, their UTSA's loss to North Texas the week before kind of re- refocused them too. I do too. I think, and I, and I actually said it on the podcast, I think that UTSA, when they lost, I said they're going to come at us hard. They're going to be pissed. Speaking if frankly, you, if you listen to their coach's comments after the game. They said the same thing. Um, now I do have to admit something because I could have sworn this. Like if you did ask me, I thought Jared Stern's name was Jared the whole time. I did. I thought his name was Jared <laughs> Stearns. and and honestly, like the announcers this did not help that. Season? Do what? This deep into the season? Yes, I swear. I thought it was Jared. I was like, and I'm honestly, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I look at the stats and I'm like, that says Jareth. But every time they would call his name, they're like, oh, you know, 60 yard catch by Jared Stearns or Jareth Stearns. I'm like, that sounds like Jared to me. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, that's just, that's just me, guys. You'll just, well, he got, um, I don't know if you guys talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, but, you know, him, Zappy, and everybody else, you know, we get at, past this game just getting passed over as finalists for all these awards despite these crazy stats. And, you know, I think, you know, Stearns is, you know, the fact that he couldn't even make the top three despite holding all the uh, category leads is, is pretty ridiculous to me. And to me, and he had, he had a hell of a game minus the, the muff punt. I mean, some of these these go routes that we had against UTSA were just beautiful. Just yeah, Zappy's timing was great, and I still think if Corley doesn't drop that one, then it's a little bit of a different game too. Because then the pressure on is on to keep scoring. Instead, you know, we fell behind, and I think that kind of took off our edge a little bit for a little bit of the game too. 
So yeah, yeah, I do too. Of course, uh, as most of you probably know, Western lost to UTSA forty nine forty one. So that was eight point loss. But I do have some positives to take away from this, and I, and I hope that this can happen with um, I swear. ESPN's little videos that keep popping up on my stats. I'm going to kick some butt. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you're talking about guys getting passed over for, you know, awards and this, that, and the other. Bailey Zapp actually has a chance to break Joe Burrow's record. Yeah, he just needs he needs five, he needs five touchdowns. Yeah, that's a good segue into who we play in the bowl game. Yes. So we are going to be playing App State, Appalachian State. Uh, Mountaineers, which they're in West Virginia, right? No, they're in uh, North Carolina in Boone. Ah, okay. Right. I knew it was long. probably like it was like an hour outside of Asheville. Okay, okay. So they are first in conference. You are in Sun Belt. Sorry, <laughs> they're first in the Sun Belt. Obviously, yeah, we got second. They were up in the Sun Belt. They so they lost. They lost to Louisiana Lafayette in the Sun Belt. Ah, okay. All right. Well, sorry. Uh, ESPN's giving me wrong information. So now they're an hour and eight minutes uh, from Asheville. So they're oh. in the mountain. They're in the mountains of North Carolina, kind of. Let's see, in the middle of nowhere. So, um, so the spread is actually going to App State. They're a two and a half point favorite, which is interesting to me. Well, they were ten and two, um, ten and three after the loss. Yes, and they did beat Marshall. Not as bad yes. as Marshall. Um, they they lost to Miami by a point, right? And then I think they lost to they beat. Let's see, they lost to Louisiana Lafayette two other times. So they've got a real defense. You know, honestly, they the you know in the conference realignment drama and all that crap. Um, you know, some people were looking at the Sun Belt as a step back, but. Getting to play a great program like App State every year would be would have been cool. They, you know, they are you know from a fan support you know standard and just a success standard since they moved up, which was right around the time we left uh, the Sun Belt. They have been dominant. I think they finished first or second pretty much every season. Just stacked ten win seasons. Uh, you know, done it under three coaches and. Uh, you know, they're they're pretty they're probably one of the better mid major programs. So, you know, I, I said on Twitter the other day, like you look at our, kind of our opponents for bowl games. I think this is the best we've ever faced uh, since we've been to, uh, you know, FBS in the bowl game. So it's going to be a big test, and especially with some of the news that that came out this week with the coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, um, and of course. You know, talking about App State and how they're going to do. Um, I, I think it's going to be a tough game. Um, and like you said, uh, like you said, the Sun Belt's definitely a tough conference. It's it's tougher than it was when we were there, um, and it's going to be tougher in the next couple of years with the additions of those teams leaving. Um, well, the addition but, of Marshall, I don't know about ODU is okay this year, and Southern Miss is a Southern Miss right now. <laughs> ODU's ODU, yeah. Um, well, they made a bowl at least. They, they, yeah. Wrapped, yeah, yeah. Apparently, MTSU did too. So somehow, I don't. Yeah, that was amazing. Those were actually those two and Marshall were actually our best wins this year. It just when it came to playing good teams, we played them damn close, but we always shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. So. Um, of course, you know we're averaging 528 yards. They're averaging about 428 yards of total offense, um, and we allow about 422 total yards on our defense, and they allow about 325. So their it's defense is a lot better be than ours. Strength versus strength, and strength—you know—weakness versus weakness. I think a little bit. I mean, App State's offense is okay, but their quarterback is—you know. When when he gets pressured, when he has to throw the ball and stuff, he is not that good. Uh, you know, used to be at Duke, used to be a, a third stringer at Clemson, but you know, he's Chase Bryce is is bound to throw some picks. But you know, if they can get the running game like UTSA did against us going, it could be it could be a tough day. And you know, their defense can definitely throw a wrench. I think it could be kind of like the Marshall game where we start off slow and have to kind of find our way. And you know, with 
with the fact that we could, who knows right now, we have an, uh, no idea who's going to be still uh, coaching in the bowl game. We've got to worry about that too. So, if you yeah, wanna, that's that news. well, and I guess we could segue into that a little bit uh, with the news that uh, Kitley is going to be going to uh, what was it? Texas Tech. Texas Tech. And so yeah. is offensive line coach uh, Stephen Hamby. Yes. And then uh, co-offensive coordinator Brian Ellis is going to Georgia State. Yes. So, so what do you think of those, Devin? I tell you, it's I, I hate it that Kitley is leaving. Okay, so my thought, I'll just throw this out here. I have always said that they should not start their new jobs until they complete the bowl game. If you don't go to a bowl, it doesn't matter. But if you go to a bowl, the coaches should be, you should have to go to the bowl. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. You can uh, get that I, mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think two things that, that have sped the whole process up from even when you were, you know, a, a trainer on the team is the fact that the early signing periods happen. So, Coaches yes. get fired. Coaches get fired earlier, and then you know they wait till after the championship game to fill their staffs. I think the good thing. I think we might get one of the coaches or two of the coaches, with the fact that our our bowl game is a lot earlier than like some of the big like New Year's Six bowls. So like, okay, like Kitley just has to do double duty for like a week and a half, and then he can go join Texas Tech or whatever. Exactly. I, I, you know, the hope is that, you know, Kitley wants to be there for Zappy and Stearns and those guys he brought over. And he uses that to, uh, you know, help that, you know, help Zappy break those records that we talked about. He just needs, like you said, five He's touch, four, four, yeah. four touchdowns to tie. Four to tie and five to win. Five to win and one less game than Joe Burrow. And then uh, I think he needs like 230 or 200 something yards to pass uh, uh, Cumby as the all-time single-season record. So um, the former Texas Tech quarterback, which is kind of kind of weird in its own way. So, you know, my, my thoughts on Kitley, I mean, I knew when we were performing at the level that we were performing, he was probably gone. Um, you know, I, I said on our group text, you know, that especially when – the offensive coordinator at uh, Texas Tech got hired to be Louisiana Tech's head coach. I thought that was just a, it's a no brainer, and you know I I think it was a real coup by Helton to bring in Kitley. Um, you know the fact that we got him for a year, we got Zap, we got Stearns. You know was was a big deal. I am I'm worried about the 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 flip side of that, but um, you know can't argue with the success. He took an offense that couldn't break 19 points a game. And now we averaged in the forties and just an unqualified success. I think some bad luck, some bad defense, and maybe a little bit of questionable decisions in game might've cost us from having that, that great season, but it was a damn good season. And it's definitely one we'll remember for all time. Ellis, I think the, that rumor for him going to Georgia Southern was on the wall for a while. He got demoted, you know, for Kitley. And I think, I, you know, he wasn't really that great of a play caller when he was in charge of it. So, I mean, I think he, he did a good time, his, a good amount of time here. He helped the program. I mean, we'll never forget the bowl game he called against Memphis. But, um, you know, I think it was probably a mutual thing. He's going to coach for Helton's brother at Georgia Southern. So, I think that was just like, okay, well, it's time, it's time for everybody to move on. And it's going to be really crucial to see – a who uh, Helton gets to replace those. I think you know. I think we're all hoping that he kind of sticks with a similar air raid type offense because it's so successful. And then, or B, at least he poaches several teams and the coaches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even know. I I don't really know. I don't really think poaching you know FCS all the time is the best way to go. I think Zappy right. was a special case. I mean, everybody all year was like we reported the whole offense, and really, you know. Three, you know, Kitley, Zappy, and and Stearns were great. Little Stearns and Ratzlaff were just kind of, you know, support players that didn't, you know, were kind of interchangeable. So, I think you know, you take the right players, and if it's got to be a package deal, whatever. But 
find something to work. And then we've also got to worry about, you know, living by the portal, dying by the portal. And I think, you know, the news with Mitchell Tinsley entering the portal today, even though he's going to play in the bowl game, has got to be worrisome that, you know, maybe this is that modern college football thing where, yeah, it was great to have these guys for a year, but now you hire these talented coaches that are going to take your players with you. And there's, you you know, we've got one that, you know, Tinsley wasn't somebody that, that Kitley brought in, but he's taken them with him. You know, we got him in, from JUCO and, you know, he, granted he would be gone anyway after this year if it wasn't for that free COVID year. But, you know, I'm worried about, you know, like a, a Malachi Corley, a, some of these good offensive linemen, you know, we just got to hope that, you know, we can retain some of these talented players that don't put us even more behind the eight ball. And that, you know, I think that's always been kind of the the thing that's made Western rise over the past, you know, 12 years is the fact that, you know, we didn't lose the Tower Higbees and the Forest Lamps and the Brandon Dowdies to the transfer portal. We kept them on the hill. And it's, I don't know if it's the, the modern transfer portal era or whatever, but we've got to find a way to keep these guys if we can. Yeah. I mean, and, and it was a it was brought up in our group chat, you know, if these if those guys were in this situation, would they transfer? And some of them, I think, would. I really do. Um, I mean, you would know you were on the teams with at least with you know the end of your tenure. So, well, I mean, uh, Bobby was there for for a number of years when I was there. Um, I can't, I can't, I have to look to see when he started at Western, uh, but. You know, Bobby was uh, – he was a great player at Western, and I think he would have done great in the – I mean, he did do decent in the pros. Pretty sure he got yeah, a I mean, if he could play in the pro, I mean, he was probably – he's kind of small, but he could have definitely played in the in a P5 school. And it's just – you got to hope it's not completely going to just full, like, minor league system. And, and I guess we took advantage of it getting those HBU players, but I, I just hope it's not a complete, like – you know, we we eat off them, they eat off us, and I, I, you want some of that continuity. You want some of those those four year players, and you know, it's just uh, I, it's mixed emotions. I totally agree. You have you know, we've taken advantage of it, but we've also done underrated aspect is we've done a good job of minimizing that. And you look at the UTSA team that just beat us; a lot of their guys were homegrown guys that they you know that they developed and kept and. You know, I think it was it was a good strategy for us this year. It's just got to, I guess we got to find a way to to navigate that middle ground. So, yeah, he. But like you said earlier, they do have, uh, they've got a bigger crop to pull people from too. So that does help them as far as that goes. And with that bigger market, you know, they've got it. They to retain those players. Um. A little windy there, huh? <laughs> anyway, well, speaking of windy, uh, did you did you see that uh, Monday night football game last night? Oh my gosh, fifty five was it fifty five mile an hour winds? And it was going. What did the from... Patriots completed two passes? <laughs> Which, by the way, that's a miracle on its own. <laughs> well, they, they, you know, all, the joke on Twitter was, I thought Army Navy was on Saturday. <laughs> Hey, that's right. Hey, that, that's that's really good. But I mean, like, even the most wind I've ever seen was uh, we we were playing. Um, it was a practice. We were you know starting to storm. Coach calls for uh, field goal to win, which was the last thing we did. Um, and basically, you know, the guy hits it. You know, you don't do conditioning or whatever that day. Um, so goes over. They go to kick it. And I kid you not, this guy kicks the field goal, and it literally curved back. Like, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Of course, it was like, like I said, like minutes from starting to storm. And, like, the trainers, the certified trainers are like, get off the field. And the coaches are like, five more minutes. And it's like, no, get off the field now. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that was that. But that 55-mile-an-hour wins, that's, that's just crazy. Like, I can't even imagine. Could not imagine trying to play in that. Hmm. Um, you ever have those moments where you just go blank? Uh, but anyway, talking about transfers. Uh, so Jareth Stearns, is he another one that's going to be leaving? 
No, they announced um, – well, he's going to be leaving, but he is going to play in the uh, – was it the, the – Senior, junior, east-west the game? East-west shrine game. So, I think him and, and Zappy are, play, are going to the NFL draft. Um, you know, Zappy – Zappy should. Well, yeah, well, they both should because their stock's not – even if they went to Texas Tech, their stock's not going to be higher. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know – you you know you risk being like Jacor Pearson who could have probably put up huge numbers instead was a you know like the number five receiver at Ole Miss but anyway uh, the I think Zappy you know technically could have since he only played four games last year technically might have had a year left but you know he's I've seen him you know potentially third fourth round pick as the tops if he does well at the Senior Bowl and then I think Stearns is probably kind of similar boat where like he might get on as a slot receiver in the in the fourth or fifth round. And I think, you know, considering their backgrounds and their age, I think that's kind of perfect for them to to kind of do that. So, um, you know, we got some we've got some guys to replace and like I said, we've got to hold on to to some of these these other guys, these supporting pieces in the portal. I mean, Tinsley down the stretch was oh was arguably better than than Stearns just from the from the, you know, Stearns is more of a volume guy. You know, Tinsley's was the big play guy that, that could beat people deep more often and, you know, a little bit bigger. So, uh, you know, luckily he's playing in the bowl game, but just a big loss. And we'll be interested if he follows uh, Kitley and Hamby to, to Texas Tech. So, But, like, um, I, I completely agree. Um, the thing with Stearns, though, Stearns and Tinsley, they were able to play off of each other because it was kind of one of those things that, hey, the safety's going to Stearns. Hey, Tinsley's got it deep. Oh, yeah. you, could, you could tell after Stearns. Stearns had that run in the midseason, teams were kind of doubling and focusing on him, and that's when Tinsley really took off. And then Exactly what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. and then you, then you got like the, the Daywood Davises and the Malachi Corleys of the world that – that also did a great job. I mean, I think they both finished around 700 yards receiving. So, like, you know, you had two 1,200-yard receivers, one one of those being a 1,600-yard receiver in, in, uh, in Stearns, and then you had, uh, you know, Corley and Davis, who were just great complement pieces as well. So tons of weapons back next year potentially if we can hang on to them. Yes, and if we poach some good teams, we'll be great. Uh, so the game, the Boca Raton, it is the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Jesus, who do they give bowls to these days? Um, that game is on December 18th at 11 a.m. Eastern. That is on a Saturday. It is going to be at the FAU Stadium. Uh, speaking of FAU, did they get a bowl this year or no? No, they choked down the stretch. I think they lost their last four. Willie is Willie is really kind of reeling, reeling. I mean, I you know between Florida State and theirs, you know, we always knew he was a good recruiter. But I mean, you can kind of go back to his last season at Western. His his actual game coaching lacks a lot, and uh, I think it's kind of coming to a head. He's he's got a he's got a big show me year next year. If he has a losing season, he might be done as a head coach for for a while if not forever so well let me see how old is willie willie taggart is 44 or something is he 44 i thought he was older um he was only like 32 he's 45 now he's 45 yes so it's like i'll say that florida state job aged him though oh god yeah (laughs) which by the way that's that Florida State job, which I mean, it was probably ideal and probably like his dream job, but like that job, like that's like coaching basketball at Kentucky. Like, you don't want well, that. I job. mean, you don't want that job. Well, that and uh, that and you know, Jimbo basically just gave up his last couple years before he bolted for A and M, so he left him like a Petrino. Yeah, kind of. Well, not not like Petrino at Western, probably like Petrino at Louisville. <laughs> That's what I meant, Petrino yeah. at Louisville. You know. But uh, at Louisville, I, they said he didn't even go to meetings and like that was he one of those. Even talk like, to the players and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so and, and you look at Florida State this year. They they lost to Jacksonville State and they they missed a bowl game going five and seven. So you know, apparently their program's in financial shambles and that the rumor is they might hire. Uh, 
U of L's athletic director to just fix their financial mess. So who knows? Um, oh yeah, that was that was something else I meant to mention. Like the Louisville news media is just going wild with that right now. I mean, it's just you know as as I would call myself a lapsed Louisville fan now. I've I've gone even. Probably when we first get first started going on this podcast, Devin, I was still a decent U of L fan. Now I'm probably just kind of a extreme casual U of L fan, just because it's just too much drama. That I mean, their fan base has been ripped in half. It's just, I mean, it, it's crazy how how far that's fallen in six or seven years, man. It's nuts. It really is. I mean, as somebody who's sitting across the street watching the dumpster fire, it's it's pretty bad. I mean. Yeah, I mean, and even definitely. with, even with um, if Chris Mack and trying to fix that whole situation, I mean, they still have the the the, the NCAA ruin hanging over the head and that, and it's just I don't Which, think I don't I think the thrill's gone, man. I think like yeah. it's gonna take it's going to take like a couple decades of winning and just no drama there, and you know you've got stuff like the that soccer team here in Louisville that's that's starting to take off and that's taking some people's attention away. You know, it's just, you know, I, I think it's, they're going to have to win big to get a lot of people back. There's just a lot of people that, you know, have gotten apathetic and gotten sick of it. And, you know, I, even one of those people, I don't blame them at all. So I'm, I am right there with you. Like I was, I was very um, indifferent when Louisville won the national title in thirteen ish. I mean, like, well, you were like, a UK fan, so you can you know, be honest. I was, I was. Um, but you know, going to Western and all that, it's kind of one of those. I was, I just, I really didn't care, honestly. Yeah. And then when it got taken away and all that, and you know, people are, you know, L one C four and this this, and you're just like, all right, people, you know. And by the way, I do have a gentleman's bet with cousin Jake, the uh, one of the founding members of Red Out. That how's he doing? He he fell off the face of the earth. Yes, well, he's doing good. He's got a kid. Um, we need a reunion show one of these days. Do I? I said we need a reunion show one of these. We days. do. We do. Um, I'd love to hear uh, his, his takes on everything again. Oh my gosh. Um, like I told you all, I got you all in the divorce, and he got the kids. So. Uh, <laughs> no, he's uh, uh, anytime he wants to come on, he can come on. He's more than welcome to. Um, I just, I mean, we have talked in the past about things, but we just haven't gotten into uh, about uh, as far as doing the podcast. Um, he's just, uh, he's always had something else going on, and having a kid kind of, you know, it kind of limits you with what you can. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, so, we had, well, the reason I haven't been on the podcast, even though. It, you know, I stopped writing. I still, you know, try to help behind the scenes with the tower rack. But, yeah, it definitely takes it out of you and everything else. And we, you know, all season we were like, hey, Devin, let's make it work schedule. And this was finally the first time where, you know, where we, we made it work schedule-wise. So I totally understand. So Oh, yeah, I am. Um, I was just glad to get you on for that, uh, for definitely for this. Um, and, of course, you know, coming into basketball season, we might be able to do something else. Uh, but speaking of basketball, uh, Western has had a few games. We played, uh, let's see, I'm trying to figure out who the last one was. Okay, yeah, we played EKU the other night. That was the last game we played. I watched that game, so I can give you a little analysis on that. Good. So what did you think? Well, I mean, I don't know if you guys talked about the roads just pantsing last uh, Yeah, that was, no, we... Honestly, I mentioned the score, and that was it because it was like that wasn't even really worth being on the it was schedule. Kind of cool to see they got the biggest margin of victory ever, but yeah, that was <laughs> you know, I don't understand. You know, I think it one of those games they thought it made sense at the time, and it was completely worthless. But um, you know, with this the Eastern game, you know, Josh Anderson was out with COVID still, and let's hope we have him back Wednesday against Buffalo, but. Then we find out literally 10 minutes before the game that uh, Jarius Hamilton is out with a bad back. So Western was down to really seven players that actually played in the game. So, you know, and Eastern is not a bad team. I mean, they're not, you know, the Eastern that we kind of grew up with. They, they've, they've got a good coach now. They're probably going to finish top three in their league, you know, and they, they just play a big up-tempo style that shoot like crazy. They shot – 
I'm looking at this correctly, let me pull up the box score. They shot so many damn threes, it was insane. Uh, they shot 35% from three. How many um, shots? How many, how many shots, shots did they take? Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Three point, three point, three point. Okay. Uh, they they threw up fifty one and they hit eighteen. Fifty one three pointers. Yes, that's wild. So they they shot fifty one of their seventy shots from deep. Luckily, they only hit. You know, people. You know, say whatever all the time, but fifty. You know, teams always go nuts from three from against against Western. Blah 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 blah. But the fact that you know they shot that many and we you know we made them earn it and you know we kind of kept them it was kind of back and forth i think you know jamarian sharp was a freaking beast again i think he had his art you know he had the triple double against was it alabama a&m or one of those teams but today 17 points on seven seven field goals 14 rebounds and four box i mean he completely took away the inside from eastern just completely dominated. You know, Sherman Brashear having to step up without Hamilton and Anderson had 13.7 rebounds. You know, McKnight, you know, was was pretty damn good too. 22 points, you know, leading, you know, leading scorer, five rebounds, three assists, and only two turnovers. And that's been a bugaboo. And then, you know, Frampton's kind of found a shot too, three of seven from deep. And then Cam Justice, I where would this team be without Cam Justice, Devin? Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. It you know they're doing great. I can't. I, I mean, it's just, just amazed with Sharp though. Sharp it and okay. Well, I mean, we get, then we can go into the negatives. What what the hell is Jalen Butts doing, man? He just yeah takes up space. I mean, I think probably the fact that Stans leaned on him early this season is probably why he lost all three of those games in a row. Yeah. But, you know, better better late than never. And, you know, we've got it. You know, we're still waiting on those two transfers, and we got to hope we can get Hamilton and Anderson. I mean, if we if we only play – if we really only play seven, and really, let's, let's be honest, Stansberry's son is, is nothing more than a dribble-off-the-court-and-pass-it player at this point. He's not going to make a shot. And then Butts is, is just kind of a, a liability at this moment. You were playing five players against, what, against Eastern. So, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, you're right. Here, here's the here's my opinion on where, you know, the last five during this five game or this four game winning streak, we've kind of, kind of figured out who we are as a team a little bit. I think we know that okay, we've got somebody special with Sharp. You know, McKnight is a great point guard. Justice our Wiley veteran. You know, Frampton makes shots. Brashear can make some shots. Um, you know, that those guys are great. You get Anderson back. You get that defensive. You know, springy athlete. You know, he's never going to be a great scorer, but he does so many other things. And then, Jarius Hamilton's another great. You know, he's our leading scorer. We can put it up. So I think with that, you've got a solid seven. And then, if we ever get Harmon out of his head out of his ass, and if if the NCAA ever gives us Keith Williams back, then we might have a team. And this next three, this next three out of four games, really can can make our season preseason wise. I mean, our computer numbers are in the tank right now, but Buffalo is about 83 in the Ken Palm ratings. You know, they're a preseason Mac favorite. You want a statement win, win that game tomorrow in Diddle. Um, and then Saturday we got Ole Miss, you know, another P5. They just beat Memphis. Um, that's another statement win. They're not a great shooting team, which means we can have a good shot against them if, if the shots aren't falling. And after that, that center game, you got U of L. If you can win two to three against Buffalo, Ole Miss, and U of L, you could still have a technical uh, outside shot at at large win, at large bid, just by the fact that we don't have any bad losses, and you'd have those good wins on your schedule. So there's still a lot this team could do, especially if we ever get those guys back. So yeah, definitely, definitely got to get those guys back. Um, and I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I mean, I'm going to be positive. I know, I know the other guys are, you know, kind of negative with stands and kind of where the program's at. But since really since the South Carolina game, you've kind of got to be pleased with where this team is heading. You know, yes. we're, we're playing well. We're beating the teams. 
we're beating the teams that we're supposed to. And, you know, in that shorthanded win on Saturday was just, it, you know, that was just, that was an impressive win. So now's the next big step, beat Buffalo at home. You know, we're a three-point dog, but we, we've got a shot. And then Ole Miss is just, you know, it's kind of gravy. If we win, we win. If we lose, you know, we're not supposed to beat them. So, you know, I think, you know, we're, this is a good show me week. We're, how far have we progressed since, you know, since we played Memphis, since we played South Carolina? Are, you know, are we joing into the type of team that can really be a Conference USA contender or favorite, or are we going to be probably in that three to seven range behind UAB and Louisiana Tech? I think this week will show us a lot on that. So this is what kills me. Uh, the game, like Ross said, is tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. And like you said, Buffalo is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. But the BPI, ESPN's Basketball Power Index, has Western at a 71% win percentage. Like, we should win 71%. This, they're predicting us to win 71%. That's wild to me. Like, what are they seeing that we're not besides the besides our, 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 uh, our record? I mean, I think it's, A, I think, you know, probably if – they might know something about some injuries. They might know that if you kind of delve into Buffalo's, um, you know, Buffalo's season, they lost to Michigan by 12, who's a, you know, top 10 team. They lost a pretty good Stephen F. Austin team. Let's see how good is Stephen F. Austin right now. Seven and two with wins over uh, Milton C. South Dakota. Some decent teams, nobody great, but a seven and two yeah. team. And then, uh, and then they just who else did Buffalo lose to? They lost St. Bonaventure, which is a ranked team as well, so, or was a ranked team. So, um, you know, who's seven? Let's see, what's St. Bonaventure? Seven and one on the season, with their only loss to Northern Iowa. So, you know, Buffalo's played some good teams. They're battle tested. They're a veteran team. With you know, they played in the NIT like we did last year, and they've been to the tournament. Uh, you know, several times over the past few years. So, you know, I think I remember when they scheduled this, Devin, that, um, you know, it was two teams that couldn't get like the P5 teams to play them, you know, in a home and away. So they just scheduled their own home and home. So, <laughs> hey, that works, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think it's, you know, the perfect, you know, non conference opponent that, you know, might not be the sexiest name, but, you know, if we ever made it in the MAC one day, it'd be one of those teams that would be fighting for the conference championship with. So, uh, please don't mention the MAC. That just makes me sad. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I I think it's a definite possibility. Especially, uh, I think Buffalo's probably what probably our best chance. Yeah, um, best chance at a quality non-conference win. Yeah, uh, which you know. If if we don't if we don't at least win one or two of these, this would probably be minus not having any bad losses. The fact that we haven't beaten any good non conference opponents in the it's in Stans well since Stansbury's first year, so it's a big game. And um, get a little bit more into Buffalo stats. Let's you know what's what do we always complain about is our three point defense. Uh, let's see what they're shooting from three on the season. 62 for 176. Let me see this, see if we can have the team stats. I can see the player stats, but I want some team yeah. stats. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but so I, 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 think, I think we definitely have a possibility to beat Buffalo. Um, and I think Ole Miss is going to be a tough game for us, especially since it's, well, it's in Atlanta. Yeah, it's in that holiday thing on seven thirty on Saturday. So we'll get to yeah, seven thirty Central, eight thirty PM Eastern. But they're not a good three point shooting team, and if yeah. teams don't shoot lights out with again at three, we have a shot against anybody, especially with Sharp really coming on his own. Just God, he's such a game changer. So Buffalo shoots thirty five percent. So they could get hot. That's something we got to worry about. Um, you know, they're only 100 to 95 in assist turnovers. And we know, you know, another thing we like to do is play some defense. So it could be a good matchup. If, I think if if we can get Anderson or uh, 
Hamilton back. I think we got a good shot against Buffalo. Yeah, and, and like you said, we'll be playing center next week. It'll be another game. Uh, so we'll be able to preview the Louisville game next week um, before, um, before obviously, before we play it. So we'll talk more about that next week. That's that's shaping up to be just why we have it a hell of a, a Saturday for uh, Western fans. You know, yeah, like, it is. you got yeah. the the Boca Raton Bowl at ten a.m. Central Time, and then at one thirty you got the U of L game. And I know, I know there's several people like me included that you know, having went to San Antonio last week, I probably wasn't going to go to the bowl game. But you know, people who bought U of L tickets that you know are would have gone to the bowl game or vice versa, and it's just. Uh, it's gonna be a. It's gonna be just back to back intensity. If I think if if we win one, I'll, I'll be happy. So, yeah. I mean, sorry, I'm a football fan, so I want them to win the bowl game. Uh, oh, but yeah. definitely beating Louisville at Diddle would be pretty sweet too. Um, oh, yeah. That would be definitely really sweet if we could, and if we could sweep both. I mean, that, uh, that would if be we had, if we sweep both. That's probably one of the best days we've ever had. <laughs> yes. Um. Let me see if this game is it. Well. If it's if it's televised, it's not showing up on ESPN. Which one is it? Uh, Ole Miss, Louisville, Louisville, CBS Sportsnet. Okay, so yeah. definitely check out that. Um, the Ole Miss that. games on SEC Network, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and of course, uh, we'll talk more Lady Tops next week. We'll get into that. And uh, uh, volleyball lost. Oh I guess we yeah. Yeah, volleyball lost. They beat South Carolina, right? They swept them, and they you swept know, three, them. And, three straight and they, years, we made the second round, and then I just think that you know we ran into a, a better team, and you know the host in uh, Georgia Tech, and you know it's kind of a, a you know a tough thing, and just shows that you know it's. Is you know it's it's tough, man. It's you know we we are we have a damn good program, but we're still just that there's that other mountain to climb is it will be interesting if, uh, you know, if, you know, I think Hudson has, has proved that he's, he can top any kind of ceiling, but I think the, the second round sweet 16 ceiling now that the program's at, that's, that's the hardest mountain to climb next. So. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be it. And like I said, I've been saying for a while, uh, we need to get a facility for volleyball, and we need to put a statue of Travis Hudson outside. Completely believe that because he has done so much with that girls team, uh, with that volleyball team. I mean, phenomenal. yeah, I mean, with, with just two losses all season, is that they lost to Ole yeah, Miss yeah. and then Georgia Tech? I think that's right. Yeah, and I mean, that's two. I mean, one regular season and then one in the in the the big dance, basically for volleyball. So, uh, you know. It is what it is. Um, I mean, still a great season. They're still they really are the the flagship program on the hill of any of any of those. And I think they, you know, you look down their their roster. Let's hold on. Let me look that up while we're still talking about it. Another underrated thing is they played two seasons in in one calendar year with the COVID. Uh, you know, they played a spring season and a fall season. You know, they could just have been just freaking emotionally exhausted for playing that much volleyball in a year when they're usually ramping up, you know, once a year. So, um, I know they, let's see, you go down the list, they return Paige Briggs, who's all conference. Nadia Judene's gone. Uh, let's see. Lauren Matthews, their senior hitter's gone. Uh, oh, and she might have another year with COVID, but, um, do, 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 do. I think they lose. Yeah, they lose quite a few players off this team. So next year might be a reload year, which you know in Conference USA will probably be uh, will probably be fine. But you know it might be a while before we have a team as good as as this one was. So um, yeah. you know, kudos to Travis Hudson. What a hell of a run we've been on lately. Yeah, I mean, tip my hat to you, sir. Um, but definitely, uh, December 18th is the football bowl game. Uh, we've got, and of course, like Ross said, it's 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, 10 a.m. Central Boca Raton bowl. Uh, so check that out. I think, what do we say? CBS or ESPN plus one of those two. Oh, Boca um, Raton's on ESPN. Okay. Yeah. We'll be talking about that again next week. We'll try and preview that a little bit more. Um, 
Ross and I did a little bit here, but we'll do a little refresher next week. Um, and then, of course, like we were talking about, you got to check out basketball. Uh, we've got a few games coming up. Uh, Buffalo, Ole Miss, and then Center College. And then we'll talk uh, Louisville game next week. And they're going to be on December 18th as well. So uh, I guess just uh, don't plan anything on December 18th. And uh, yeah, at least until that night. (laughs) Yeah. Don't plan anything. And uh, as always, guys, uh, go tops. Go tops. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. Hey, you too, Dad. Let's do this again sometime. See you, Ross.